What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to What Makes This Town Go Round. My name is Elisa Cicino, and we are talking about this city called Augusta, Georgia, and the little quirks about it, the food, the drinks, the entertainment, the music, what really does make this town go round. Thanks for tuning in to the seventh episode of What Makes This Town Go Round. My name's Elisa, and today I have some legendary food for you. I have a phenomenal guest and these tunes for your ears, of course. This past week, I ate at a restaurant downtown. The staff is always friendly. The food is made with love. It's called Sports Center. If you've never been there, the food never fails. The onion rings are fabulous, and the beer is cheap. But make sure that you bring cash or it's the dish pit for you. Located on 5th and Broad, if you haven't been there, do yourself a favor and go get a burger. Eat lunch there today. Next up for our guest, we've he has been in Augusta for the past 20 years. His iconic voice has been a clear sign that you're listening to Augusta's radio. He has influenced the radio from RXR, Channel Z, 96X, 95 Rock, and now Bob FM. Radio is where he's made his mark in Augusta. Give it up for the man himself, Mr. Chuck Williams. Yay. <laughs> golf, golf, clap. Golf, golf, clap. Golf, we are clap. in Augusta. How are you doing? Good. Thanks yeah. for the invite. Yeah, thanks for coming. Cool. So after quitting your job, which I'm aware of, uh, you started pursuing music or radio, per se, and you joined Beasley Brothers Broadcasting. What was it like breaking in in the 90s to radio in Augusta? Um, it, it, you know, it was a midlife career change for me. I'd actually gone to the steps of Northeast Broadcasting School in Boston in my senior year of high school, and I chickened out. <laughs> and so when I... When I changed jobs, I had to figure out what else to do. And I thought, well, this is a good time to give it a shot. So I went to school. I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting, which was basically a waste of $4,000. But that's okay because it opened some doors. Uh, I had a couple of gigs in New England, one in uh, Massachusetts, one in Vermont. And then I came down here to visit some friends. And I ended up putting in an application for a part-time job at uh, 96RXR and that's when I got hired. That was the summer of 1991. And what was it like getting started there? You know, it was it was pretty cool. They had a great staff. Um, Jeff Sanders was here at that time. Bobby Jones was on staff at that time. And uh, uh, Joe Mama, uh, the legendary <laughs> morning show, the Rude Dogs, Joe and, and Doug, my Boston homeboy, rest in peace, Doug. Um, that I mean, that was a lot of fun. It was a real eye-opener. And uh, I had no idea. I don't think anybody realizes how much work actually goes in day to day at a radio station. I certainly didn't know. I can only imagine. So we've seen format changes in movies like Airhead. How do you get from <laughs> RXR to Bob FM? Well, it, I mean, it was it was very little of my own doing. There was usually some sort of a transfer of ownership, and when new owners come in, they generally shake the place up. And uh, the first time that happened to me, it ended up getting me my first full-time job on the air here. That was in the April of 92, and Jeff Wilkes came in, and he bought the company away from, I think it was Guardian, who was the parent corporation of Hardee's, the hamburger people. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing on radio, but they he bought it, and uh, he came in, and he made a bunch of changes, and he had heard me on the air on the weekends, which is all I was doing at the time. And he knew I was a Yankee boy from Massachusetts like he was. So he assumed good work ethic, I guess. And he dropped me right into a full-time job doing middays 
um, doing all, you know, responsible for all the production on the air. I'm, it was insane. It was a complete baptism by fire. Yeah. I was about to kill myself after a year. And then keep going. I mean, so that's how you got going. But yep. how are you at Bob FM now? Well, then uh, we moved out of the Lamar building and went across the river on a Carolina Springs Road with Jeff Wilkes. And I was still with uh, 96RXR. And then he flipped the format to 96X to directly attack the late revered Channel Z. Uh-huh. Because their signal wasn't very good. And they weren't making too much money um, on advertising. And I think we all could see where the music was headed. And uh, being a sharp businessman, he decided to cash in on that. And so basically, we just came in and overrode their format. And there wasn't much they could do about it. And so that's how we were 96X, yes. which is all the alternative stuff, the, the 90s. Um, and which then were at good that days. Oh, my God. Yeah, of course. People still accuse me of being stuck in the 90s, but... <laughs> Those are great days, Screw man. Them. Great, yeah, no, those are great days. Uh, so then I ended up getting uh, a second program director's job. Yeah, I ended up getting a PD job, which I never thought I would take at 96X. I never thought I wanted to be a program director. I just wanted to be a jock. <laughs> but you know, my youngest brother always says the curse of the competent. Those who take on the work end up getting all the responsibility, and that's kind of what happened. So I got a PD job, and then I got a second one because I took on Eagle too. Okay. Um, and then they did some staff switching around, and I ended up just exclusively with Eagle. And then I left. Uh, Cumulus is the company that came in and bought Eagle and um, 96. They wanted me to stay with the company, but they didn't think I was good enough to stay here in Augusta. Um, okay. Crazy. Yep. So I went to Wilmington, North Carolina for six months. Then I got a call from Kent Dunn at Beasley Broadcasting, and he said, hey, we're flipping the 70 station at 95.1, which it had been for a while, to Rock, would you consider coming back? And I said, sure, how much is it worth to you? <laughs> you know, we came to an agreement. That was um, September of uh, 1998, and I've been back ever since. Oh, wow. And then from there, you are now at Bob FM. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know, 95 was on the air for 18 years. We, we survived a lot. Um, a lot of rock stations bit the dust along the way as consolidation picked up steam and, uh, rock started to lose a little ground and a lot of, um, legendary stations in much bigger markets than Augusta got waxed and everybody in them was let go. And, uh, we managed to, we managed to hang on longer than most of them. So I'm I'm proud of that. Yeah, it was a good run. It was. And somebody will try rock radio in Augusta again someday. They will. I hope they do. Yeah, they will. So radio is a job where you can walk in with a job and then walk out without a job. You know what I always used to say, though, and this is so true, it's the best part-time job you could ever have. (laughs) Because if you're just a part-timer, right, you get to do all the cool things that the radio station's doing. And on the weekends, you know, you come in, you're on the air, and you get to go to all the concerts and all the stuff that the station's involved in, but you don't have any responsibility. Once you get some responsibility and you're a full-time radio person, there's a lot more to it. Well, you being a program director, which means you have people underneath you, how do you deal with the chance of may or may not having a job or your employees may or may not having a job? I mean, that's everybody knows that's an occupational hazard, and it has been more so, especially in the rock format over the years. So we spent a considerable amount of time looking over our shoulders wondering when the axe was going to drop. 
because we just saw them, the rock stations dropping like flies all over the place. And we thought, wow, we're still here. Okay. But, you know, eventually that day came. Eventually it did. I mean, all you can do is, what, what else can you do? You just come in every day and, and you look forward and you plan and you do the best show you possibly can and, and try to keep the station moving forward and, and hope for the best. Is it something that is uh, known getting into it like they warn you of it? You may have a job yeah. today, but you may not tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think most people will tell you that they've been in the business, that they've been fired many times. I have never been fired. Clearly. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> uh, I've never been fired, which is really unusual in the radio business. Um, but yes, it can be very precarious. You can be here today, gone tomorrow. It could be ratings-based. It could be on a whim. It could be an ownership change. I mean, there's any number of reasons why you could get whacked. You could just mess up so badly that there's like, ah, sorry, you got to go. <laughs> Canned. Yeah. Oh, Lord. But today, online music services such as Pandora, iTunes, uh, we have Amazon. There's so many uh, are around and they're so popular. How do you compete or do you or do you just make Bob FM the best you can? Well, yeah, of course, that la that last segment is what you strive for. But really, the ace in the hole for terrestrial radio, which has been you know declared dead for years and we're all still here, most of us, um, you have to be local. You have to be on the ground, in the street, with everybody in the community that you're serving. I mean, one of the reasons that you get an FCC license in the first place is to serve the community. Yeah. So you get, a, you get out there, you meet people, you talk to them, you support their causes, their charities, whatever it might be, whether it's University Hospital or uh, Children's Miracle Network or any, anything. Any, it's just unlimited number of opportunities to help. And that's really the key to, to staying in there. For you personally or for the radio? Yes. I would say both. No, I would say both. <laughs> yeah. I've always enjoyed that part of it because, uh, first of all, I mean, it, it's really cool. I mean, we did our, uh, f our food drive, Canapalooza, for I think eight or nine years where we camped out for three days oh, wow. and collected for the Golden Harvest Food Bank. We literally slept in tents for three days for that. How'd that go on your back? Not good. <laughs> Not very good. Thanks for asking. Uh, but, you know, those are great things. You know, you get an opportunity to help out good causes, and you also meet some really good people along the way, too. Not radio people, but just, you know, people in general, clients, people who work at charities. You meet some really good people. So do you believe in a rebirth of a station? Well, I've seen it. I experienced it twice, so I do. What I, does it take? Well, first of all, there has to be a demand. Okay. For whatever it is you're thinking of doing. Keep there has going. to be a demand. And that is not just, you know, from the music side, it's also from the sales side. You have to be able to sell advertising. Mm -hmm. And the problem that we were running into with rock radio in Augusta, someone's going to scream about this, but clients just pigeonholed our listeners. They didn't realize that, you know, our listeners had jobs and kids, and mortgages, and cars, and they bought stuff. Yeah. And they all thought that everybody who, who did rock was just, you know, beer swilling and tatted up, and you know what I mean? It's a yeah. stereotype, and it, and, it, and it definitely worked against us. Unfortunately. We're, yeah, we're the because we were such an outlier in the market. Everybody else was pretty safe. And, and 95, and a lot of, you know, <laughs> a lot of people tell you, well, 95 Rock didn't take many chances. And there are various reasons for that, because, and I beg to differ, uh, but... When you're Maybe an outlier you like that, it's hard to sell. To take the chances, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, we had some opportunities there, yeah. Interesting. What do you, how do you think local radio will survive going forward? You know, it's healthier than people think. There's a lot of revenue coming in out there uh, between us and the other couple of sta- uh, companies that own radio stations here. And, and that's really the, it. Which are those? That would be iHeartRadio yeah. and uh, Perry Broadcasting. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And those are the main ones here and Beasley. But there's, there's revenue out there. Um, I've seen a lot of research that indicates people still get information and music from radio. Maybe not as much as before, but it's still there. And, you know, they still participate in contesting. We see that all the time. And that gets people out. The oh, contest, yeah. Yeah, uh, contesting. Um, concerts in general. Yep, yep. Uh, listening in the stream, um, you know, the mobile apps and things like that. And so, how does that work with you, the mobile apps? I mean, or with the radio station in general? Well, those are developed outside the company. They're okay. contracted out by Beasley, and they develop individual apps for each radio station that we have. We've got eight of them. And is it playing the same stuff that the radio station? Yeah, it, well, it basically um, mimics what's on the air. However, at certain points during commercial breaks, depending upon how the buy has fallen on a break, you might hear something different, and then it, and then it sort of buffers it and catches it up. So you might hear something different on the stream. Not too much, though. Nah, not that much, really. What do you think local radio will look like in a decade, and how will it run? You know, that's tough because, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not so old school that I remember <clears throat> a lot of the old gizmos that the, the, the really old veterans worked with, but it's so automated now, it's so computerized now, and we're so dependent on it. And, um, you know, companies, corporations have taken advantage of that to replace a lot of live personalities with people from other markets. Does that include, like, liners? Um, or is that still well, what you're the, doing? Well, the stuff that goes between the songs, those are people, like professional people that do that for a living. Gotcha. So, like and, you. You do some of those, right? Yeah, but yeah. That was just to make sure my voice was on the air for Bob. <laughs> it was me saying, I'm still here. I'm alive. I'm around. But the voice people, you know, that's what they do. And so I'll sit down and I'll write something, a script for them, and I'll send it off to them. And then we get it produced up. And then I put it in on the air. But as far as how it will look, it's hard to say. I mean, I... My fondest wish has been that this gigantic corporation that owns thousands and thousands of stations would just crumble. <sighs> and, uh, and a lot of stations would come back out on the market and that we would find some operators who really want to run it the way it should be run. It hasn't happened yet, but it, it, it could. And how is the way that we want it to be ran? Um, autonomy on a local level. So that there's not somebody from somewhere outside the market calling the shots, telling you what to play, um, how much to play. And that's the man that's in charge overhead, the corporate sense, right? pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. I mean, I had a free hand on Bob for a while, which was fun. But uh, they slammed down on that, so. Yeah, well, it happens. Yeah, yeah, it it does. And it sucks. (laughs) So in your career um, of putting on shows, what was your most favorite that you've put on? Oh, God. Um, we actually had a, uh, we had a festival at the, uh, at the riverfront a, f- a few years ago. It was uh, a pretty, pretty good size one. I think Puddle of Mud was our headliner, but we had about 12 bands that day. Wow. And we found out the night, the Friday before, it was a Sunday show, we found out on Friday that we didn't have the license to sell beer. Shut up. We were freaking 
out. Like, oh my God. Oh, Anybody who doesn't traumatic. have a ticket is not coming to the show because they can't drink beer. So we sat around and got a little hammered ourselves and tried to come up with an alternative <laughs> solution. And unfortunately, um, give him credit, Austin Rhodes went to some people that he knew and they helped us out and we and we got the beer license. And what ended up happening was you could bring your own cooler in. I like that. But you had to have it in cans mm. and then they roped off an area beyond which you couldn't bring the cooler or your can because they didn't want them to turn into projectiles getting thrown at artists on stage. <laughs> that was fun because that was British the first style. That was the first, you know, big festival that we did. We also did one uh, I never remember the name. It was kind of a hard rock festival and it was on the fairgrounds. And downtown or in yeah, Columbia County? Yeah, no, on the fairgrounds downtown. Um, I always remember Mushroom Head coming out in their, all their costumes that day, and it was about 99 degrees, and everybody was dripping. And uh, they came out all completely decked out, and I, they they nailed it, man. Oh, they, man. They earned my undying respect that day for sucking it up and getting through. We had Filter in there that day, too. That was a big one. And those are good. The, the, the best ones are the smaller ones, the club yeah. shows, though. Why is that? It's just the intimacy and the, and the atmosphere. I mean, everybody's kind of pushed in together and I just, moshing a little. Yeah, and there's, yeah, there's <laughs> yeah, there's some action on the floor and there's some interaction with the artist and uh, um, you tend to see a lot more people that you know at those shows. Yeah. So I mean, we've had some great ones from you know Cage the Elephant and uh, you know Buck Cherry's been here a number of times. I, I mean, I could go on. I mean, one of them. The, one of the last ones that we did that was kind of disappointing was um, a band called Vintage Trouble, which had just started getting hot about a year and a half ago. Kind of a, a blues rock outfit. Tremendous band. And um, we couldn't really play them much on the air, but I Why took on that? the show. Ah, formatically, it was tricky. Gotcha. You know? But, I, but I, I know I played a song. We picked one out, and, uh, and we played it. And um, Was that the one song in yeah, hour? Yeah, well... Nobody, very, very few people came to the show that night. It was really disappointing. And it was this guy that's the fronts the band is kind of like a, a modern day James Brown. He's very dynamic. And the band is wow. just awesome behind him. Very tight, very cool. And we just, you know, we couldn't make it fly. And, and you know, eventually it started to happen that, you know, the, the shows were not as well attended. And I don't know. Was it the bands? Could be. You know, you would support a show with airplay and people go, oh, yeah, it's that band that's coming in. But that doesn't mean they're going to buy a concert ticket. Yeah. That is very true. Yeah. Any uh, do's or don'ts for radio advice for the people out there listening? As in working it? Yeah. Um, when I, <laughs> when I uh, first got down here and I was living with my friends in Columbia, I went on an interview at, uh, what was I think, I don't know if it still is, but it was Fox 102 in Columbia. And I was just looking for a part-time job to get my foot in the door. And the PD was taking me around, giving me the nickel tour. And there was a guy that I'd heard on the air. His name was Weird Beard. And he's sitting at his desk. And I don't know what he's doing, but he's just stroking his beard. He's doing something with the music, reading a music trade publication or something. And Benji, the PD, goes, hey, Beard, this is Chuck. He wants to get in radio. And Beard never even looked up. Didn't miss a beat. Just said, why? <laughs> I'm like, what? I don't know. I have to answer that, do I? So I did it. I, you know, it's 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 a great job, but there's there's fewer of them now. Um, it, I mean, if you can get your foot in the door, you have to be prepared to do a lot of dirty work. I do mean, you I, think that I did it's, it? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do you think that it's getting smaller because the jobs there are less and less? Because probably one to two people are running. Well, yeah, and that's kind of what it comes down to. Um, basically, I'm a one man band on on Bob. And uh, 
uh, Baby J is on um, our new urban station on 95.1, on Hot 95. So yeah, everybody takes on multiple positions. You wear multiple hats, and that obviously leaves fewer positions for other people to fill. And what those are are basically you know, part-time or as-we-need-you emergency type things. So I don't know. I mean, if you can get in, it's a blast. And that doesn't mean you can stay, you're going to stay there. It doesn't mean it's going to work into a long-term thing. Interesting. Well, the echoing voice of Chuck Williams will never be heard again besides the liners on Bob FM. Let's hope that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, I would hope not, too. But as we'll for see. now, we'll yeah. See. Yeah. But your work and your name has been made completely here in Augusta. Yes. And I really appreciate you sitting here with me. Thanks. And, uh, I, I like the act- opportunity to chat with you. Yeah, it's, it's fun. fun. Um, what makes this town go round, right, Chuck? What does? Yeah, what makes this town go around, huh? People. (laughs) People, man. Well, thank you so much. Coming up, we have Anxious Heart by Delta Kane. They don't have any shows coming up lately, but they will be part of the Aiken Bluegrass Festival, the Aiken Blues and Brews, and the Banjo Barbecue. So keep an ear out for them. Thanks for tuning in to What Makes This Town Go Around, Episode 7. My name is Elisa. Tune in next week. Bubblegum drop, cat candy girl Bring your smile and dark long curls Kick off your shoes and come dance by the light of the moon What a picture perfect thing it would be Cloud and sun skies, you